podcasting from Baldwin, New York. Welcome to the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast, bringing you everything Baldwin Athletics, including news, game breakdowns, analysis, interviews, and much, much more. Prepare for the laughs, hot takes, hard questions, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, ready to dive into everything Bruins sports, Yao Bonsu and Tyler Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. As mentioned in the previous episode, Tyler is unable to join us due to the current circumstances, but I'm still here. My name is Yao Bonsu, and I will be holding down the fort for the next few episodes. If you didn't tune in last week, for the next few episodes, we'll be breaking down the top 10 moments in Baldwin Bruins athletic history. We take a look at the last 100 years plus of what has been a phenomenal program from county championships to state championships, legendary coaches, legendary players, personal accolades, team accolades, breaking records. We break it down all the way. As last week, we covered the honorable mentions. This week, we cover moments number 10 through number six. And in addition to that, we have two of Baldwin's greatest athletes here for an interview through Zoom, of course. Have to maintain social distancing. But without further ado, here are the top 10 moments in Baldwin Bruins athletics history. Kicking off our list at number 10, we flash you guys back to 1977. In 1977, junior Paul Myers won his first of two Nassau County titles. He rolled through the competition in the New York State Championships, held at Onondaga War Memorial Arena in Syracuse, New York. Paul defeated Rick Kruishank of Morris Eaton High School 7-0. In a state semifinal match, Paul did not allow his opponent to grab a single point. And in the championship match, Paul defeated Chris Leichowitz of Olean High School by a score of 3-2 to win the 145-pound state championship title. Paul is the first individual New York State champion in Baldwin Bruins history. And for all the wrestlers out there, he set the precedent for future Baldwin wrestling greats. That includes Chris Weidman and Kevin Shippos. And if you look at the program today, it is partially because of him that you see the Coach Murphys, the Khalil Cuffs, the Jelani Dows, and other dominant wrestlers here at Baldwin. As far as Chris Weidman and Kevin Shippos go, even they went on to win state and national championships for Baldwin High School. And a little fun fact about Paul Myers, the next year, Myers continued his championship run. He would capture his second straight Nassau County Championship, and after making it to the state tournament yet again, he would make it all the way to the state championships again. However, he would finish as a runner-up. As far as wrestling goes, he set the precedent for Baldwin Wrestling as we see it today. From wrestling to boys basketball. Last week I asked you guys, when you think about Lady Bruins basketball, who do you think of? I mentioned Kaya Harrison, Jenna Carico, Coach Catapano as just a few of the names that defined what Lady Bruins basketball has meant over the past decade. But now, for this moment, I ask you guys to think about who you think of when you think about boys basketball. Do you think about Jaden McKenzie dishing the ball to all of his teammates on the floor? Do you think about Isaiah Walker dunking on somebody? Or do you think about how Coach Burton literally does not go a game without a towel around his neck? Nevertheless, I'm telling you guys now, it did not start with them. It started way before Coach Burton, even before his playing days. 
So at number nine, we have boys basketball defeating Uniondale in the 1982 Nassau County Championship. The Bolden Bruins boys basketball team defeated then Uniondale in the Nassau County Championship. They were led by longtime head coach Mike Cohen. Bolden had lost to Uniondale twice in that regular season by a total of maybe five points in two games. This championship game, however, was close the entire way, as expected. Derek Lewis, who averaged 17 points per game that season, only had 10 points that game. However, the void was filled by 6'5 Mike Zihau, who dropped 15 points in the game despite averaging only 7 for the season. The Bruins also had 6'7 All-Long Island center Sheldon Heracles, who had 21 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 blocks. The game came down to the last possession, as you may expect, but back then, there was no shot clock. Bruins got a defensive rebound with a little over a minute left in the game with the score tied at 54. Coach Cohen called a timeout and the Bruins went into their motion offense for who the alumni who are listening in know that they practice that every single day. So with the score tied at 54, the team went into their motion offense to hold the ball for the last shot of the game and impressively they did, considering how great of a defensive team Uniondale was that year. The Bruins were able to hold the ball with about 7 seconds left, and with 7 seconds left, Conrad Winter, who wasn't a big scorer at the time, hit an 18-foot bank shot from the right wing in what were his only points of the game. Uniondale called timeout down two with about 5 or 6 seconds left. When they inbounded the ball, Bruins point guard Jimmy Walsh stole the inbound for the 57-54 win. It was a very physical game and the crowd on both sides were going crazy. With no three-point line at the time, the game was over when he made the second foul shot. That was a big win not only because Baldwin won the county championship, but it was also a big win because it was unheard of for Baldwin to beat Uniondale. Kind of crazy considering today, Bolden and Uniondale always go back and forth in their matchups. This win ended the mantra of Uniondale always beating Baldwin. Derek Lewis, who I mentioned earlier, believed that if this team had Coach Burton as their point guard, they would have won the state championship. But with this county championship win, another drought was ended. This win gave the Bolden Bruins its first boys basketball county championship since 1928 ending a 54-year drought. When you look at 1982 boys basketball here in Baldwin, it's hard to believe that Baldwin wasn't actually considered the favorite. Obviously, we had the talent. We had the Mike Z. Halls. We had the Derek Lewises. We had the all-Long Island center, Sheldon Her- Heracles. But we were not known as the favorites. You had the Uniondale Knights, who were a dominant force in Long Island back in the 1980s. And then you had the Hempstead Tigers, who probably were the best basketball program during that time as well. Knowing that they were dominant forces, it is very hard to believe that we even had a chance of competing with them. But that was back then. But seeing that one Nassau County Championship that we may have won in the 1980s, it set the precedent for the five Nassau County Championships that we have in the 2000s. That's the biggest thing to take away from these top 10 moments. We have a bunch of championships here in Baldwin. You guys see it in the showcases in the comments, but it's hard to pick out which of those moments deserve to be on this list. Because yes, all of these players, all of these coaches, all of these teams were dominant during that season or during that time, but 
which one held more importance. And I think with this 1982 team, you can stack it up against the 2000 teams. And yes, basketball is different back then. No shot clock, no three-point shot. That's fine. But seeing the bar that they set for all the players and teams that you see in terms of basketball, the Jared Rodens, the Shane Gatlins in 2020, the Isaiah Walkers, the Jaden McKenzies, and even Coach Burton, who was both a player back then and a coach now, it started somewhere. And I think 1982 was one of those jumping off points that said, all right, Baldwin is a program to be reckoned with. And for those who are listening who were alive back then, if you didn't believe it back then, you best sure believe it now with our boys and girls basketball teams both being the defending Nassau County champions. And by my estimate, if things were normal, the defending Long Island champions as well. But that is another conversation for another day. For now, we move on to our number eight moment on the list which takes us to boys track and field. As you guys may know, Coach Carroll is an amazing coach on the football field. And I'm not talking about the head coach of the football team, Carroll, who is also an amazing coach, but rather D. Carroll, as you guys like to call him. He is not only an amazing coach on the football field, but also on the track as well. And in 2008, he pushed his boys to the limits. In 2008, the boys track and field team won the Nassau County Championship. This served as the first of three spring track and field championships for the program. Nicholas Guscott advanced to the state championships where he placed first in the 100-meter dash with a time of 10.94. On top of that, Brandon Camilli placed eighth in the 400-meter state championship with a time of 56.64. The team placed 18th in the state. When you look at track and field, It is probably one of the more popular sports, not only in New York State, but across the country. So if you take every high school in New York State, take about 90% of them, which is still a lot, and take one boys track and field team each, that is a large talent pool to be dealing with. And the fact that Baldwin came top 20 in the state that season, that speaks levels as to the amount of work and the amount of emphasis that was put on winning a championship that season, and they did it. When you look at Nicholas Guscott, he ran his butt off pretty much. Having a time of 10.94, which is basically Usain Bolt-like. I'm not saying he is Usain Bolt, but it's, pro- it's Usain Bolt-like for sure. He was dominant. And then you take a look at Brandon Camilli, who led them in another sprint, the 400-meter race. And one thing to note is they don't sort these races by grade anymore. Or they, they, they never did, actually. As fast as you may be as a sophomore, you may meet a senior and a junior in a championship race. And that is what I believe is so impressive about this specific moment. You have Nicholas Guscott, who probably stayed on the track after practice, who led the team in warm-ups through every meet, and he made it all the way to that point. For all the runners out there, you guys understand most how strenuous and how tiring running every day is. I mentioned earlier in one of the early, early episodes of the podcast, how does one wake up and decide that all they want to do is run? I will never understand it, but Nicholas Guscott did, Brandon Camilli did, and the rest of that team did, which is why they won a Nassau County Championship. It was impressive to see, and knowing that they did it in such dominant fashion, that is why they come in at number eight. And as I mentioned previously, All of these programs here in Baldwin, they had their high points. Some of them may have had their low points and may still be at their low points, and that's fine. But all of them had a moment where they were at their peak. And this 2008 moment for boys track and field 
was their peak. And that is why they come in at number eight. Coming in at number seven, we have the 1989 girls field hockey team who took home the Nassau County Championship. Led by Baldwin coaching legend Barbara Reese, the Lady Bruins field hockey team captured its first Nassau County Championship crown. This win sparked the beginning of a dynasty as it served as the first of eight Nassau County Championships for the program during the 1990s and the first of nine overall. This program set themselves apart as one of the best teams during the 1990s decade across all sports on Long Island. This Bruins squad, led by one of Baldwin's greatest coaches, paved the way for future field hockey greats here at Baldwin, such as Michelle Fox, Carly Martins, Daniela Spett, Kaylee Brower, Nadia Elcock, and Alexa Stegmuller, just to name a few. For Brower, Elcock, Spett, and Stegmuller, they were a part of the 2016 Nassau County Championship winning team that ended an 18-year drought for the program, nearly two decades without a championship. But it was this 1990s dynasty that indirectly set up all of the previously mentioned girls for success in the program. Ladies and gentlemen, at number six, we have what is one of, if not the favorite moment of mine from throughout the whole list. In 2005, the varsity football team went 10-0 in the regular season. The Bruins defeated East Meadow High School in the semifinals in what was the program's most exciting come-from-behind win in history. A 30-yard touchdown catch from Joey Vanilla to Aaron Weaver at the end of the game lifted the Bruins to the Nassau County Championship. And in that game, the Bruins defeated Massapequa 32-7 in the championship game behind 2005 Thorpe Award winner Ricardo Manigat's 42 carries and 316 yards. 316 rushing yards for this guy. Aaron Weaver won the Dragon Award that season for the best receiver in Nassau. And quarterback Joey Vanella finished as a finalist for the best QB in Nassau. And on top of that, Webster Brown was a finalist for the Marathon Award for best lineman. This team was stacked with talent and I'm not even done with the names. This championship was Baldwin High School's first championship of the modern era and first championship in five years decades. Before this championship window, Baldwin had a long string of losses. 1984, lost in the conference finals to Hempstead. In 1999, they would lose to Farmingdale in the Nassau County Championship. In 2002, they would lose to Farmingdale again in the Nassau County Championship. This 2005 team was the first team since the 1953 team, back then known as the Baldwin Golden Wave, to go undefeated in the regular season. The Golden Wave was led by legendary coach George A. Craig, who, if that name sounds familiar, is who the Baldwin home field is named after. Craig led the Golden Wave to a 9-0 season and a Rutgers Cup of victory given to the best team in Nassau County. Craig remains Baldwin football's wins leader with 130 wins over 25 years, but there is no doubt in my mind that Coach Carroll is coming for that record. 2005 team running back Ricardo Manigat broke the school record that season with 21 touchdowns in 10 games. But if you're wondering about the talent that surrounded this team, let's break down the personnel. Head coach Steve Carroll, Conference 1 Coach of the Year, Bruce Granke Memorial Nassau County Coach of the Year, running back Ricardo Manigat, 
Tom Thorpe Award winner given to the best player in Nassau County, Nassau County Championship Offensive MVP, All-County, All-Long Island, Baldwin record 21 single-season touchdowns, and academic all-conference. Wide receiver and defensive back Aaron Weaver, Dragon Award given to the best receiver in Nassau County, Long Island Championship Offensive MVP, All-County, All-Long Island, and MSG Tri-State Player of the Week. Offensive lineman Webster Brown, All-County. Quarterback Joe Vanella, All-County, Academic All-Conference. Defensive back Brendan Murphy, Long Island Championship Defensive MVP. Defensive back Dakota Lupo, Nassau County Championship Defensive MVP. Tight end and linebacker Jamel Saunders, All-Conference. Linebacker Teddy Murray, All-Conference, Tri-State Player of the Week. Tight end and linebacker Chris O'Donnell, Academic All-Conference. You want to talk about talented. You want to talk about dominance. You want to talk about trailblazers. You want to talk about champions. This 2005 team is one of, if not the, most dominant team in Baldwin Bruins history. But that is up for debate with a team we might have in the top three. But what I'm trying to get at here, as you guys just heard, this team was pure excellence. And to know more about it, we have Ricky Manigat and Aaron Weaver joining us for an interview before we get into the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, through a Zoom call, yes, we did not break social distancing, through a Zoom call, I'm joined by Ricky Manigat and Aaron Weaver, two members of this dominant 2005 varsity football team. Ladies and gentlemen, for our first interview in over a month, I'm joined by Ricardo Manigat and Aaron Weaver, two members of the 2005 championship winning varsity football team who came in at number six on our list of the top 10 moments in Baldwin Bruins athletics history. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Doing well, doing well. Thank you guys for joining us. Obviously, in the current circumstances, it's very hard, but blessings that you guys were able to join us and that you're safe and healthy. So first off, how does it feel to be a part of one of the greatest moments in Baldwin Bruins athletics history? Feels good. I, mean, I want to know who's number one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, it feels great. I mean, I'll, I'll let Ricky chime in, but um, you know, it's uh, I think the the brotherhood that we built. Um, uh, from the from being a Bruin and and really you know this is just going to the school it's um, it's really had a a great effect on my life even after um, you know now we're almost 14 years after I mean time flies it feels like yesterday right we were up at camp and actually you know getting ready for that season but um, yeah I think everything just came together so to be recognized in um, in the history of Bruins is again it's just it's a real honor. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It was uh, like when I when I heard you guys were doing this, I was like, "What? We're gonna be on the list? This is crazy." <laughs> but it's uh, you know, you you always I think you do things in life, especially you know in sports, and not that you ever forget about it. It's always in you. It's always inside of you. You know, you reminisce on it, and then when it comes back around, 
in this fashion, you're always like, wow, like we did that. And people recognize that. And I remember the town at that time and how like, how happy like Baldwin was and it's everywhere you went, it was just this bet, like this spirit of just joy because of what we were doing at the time. And so it was just, you know, it's an honor to be on the list whatsoever. Yeah. Coming into that 2004, 2005 season, how much belief did the team have that you guys could compete for a county championship? <laughs> so good. You want to start off with that? <laughs> I don't know if we, I don't know if we knew, to be honest, early. You know, I think uh, early on, you're losing a lot of, you know, we go into that season and we're seniors and we're losing a lot of talent. At least we felt like older guys that uh, talent wise that have been around for so long in the program. And now you're passing on the baton. So, you know, Weaver was on the team for two years on the varsity two years. And I was, that was going to be my uh, second year. This was going to be Weaver's third year on the varsity team. And it's just like, you know, when the baton's in your hand, all of a sudden, you just don't know what to think at first, but I think everybody worked really hard that summer. Uh, and so we had that in mind, but we were also very small, <laughs> which was, uh, I mean, it was very evident that we were going to be smaller than most people we played. So that, that gave us a mindset of like, all right, well, it's going to be difficult, but I don't know if we ever set our sights that high that early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And just to piggyback, I mean, you know, to Ricky's point, we were a smaller team, uh, lost a lot of seniors. Uh, we knew we had talent. We knew we could compete. I think the you know the big thing with football is everybody knows it's a team sport. Um, so you can have all the talent in the world, but if you aren't on the same page, you know things won't work out. And I think that's one of the biggest um, the biggest advantages we had. I mean, our team was just so close. We all liked each other, and I think that's very rare. You get a lot of teams that have a bunch of talent, but a lot of times they don't really like the people. You know, everyone doesn't like each other. We literally loved each other. We loved being with each other. I mean, just in, in the training camp, we had so much fun, you know, singing and dancing together and, and, and partying up at camp, which camp is brutal, to be honest. I, at least I thought it was until, until later on and we went to college camp. I thought high school camp was brutal at the time. But, um, you know, we, we, we really loved each other. We loved the coaches. And we had known the coaches since, I mean, we were in middle school, right? So we had grown up really with these guys from – you know, kids to, to now young men. And, um, and I think it all played out on, on the field. We, you know, we were one of the smaller teams, but we were well coached and, uh, and we played for each other, which is, you know, it helped us. Yeah, you guys certainly played well as a result of not only a championship, but being the first football team since 1953 to start 10-0 or better. How did it feel to not only win the championship, but to do it in such a historic fashion? I mean, I know it felt good, you know, it felt really good. It felt great, right? I, I had never won a championship um, up until that in, in no sport, whether it was, you know, basketball. I played, you know, football and basketball. I know, Ricky, you played basketball and lacrosse. But for me, that was the first championship that I had ever won on that level. Um, and to do it in Baldwin uh, was just, I mean, it was an unbelievable feeling. And uh, I didn't even know that fact that we were the first team to go 10-0. Because there had been some very good teams. And honestly, you know, as a kid growing up in Baldwin, we had a lot of talent, you know. So I felt like when we came up, the burden was really on our back. We had seen so many great players come before us, whether it was Sean Treasure or the great Will Barrow, who, you know, in my, uh, my opinion, is the best athlete to ever, you know, come through Baldwin, at least that I've seen. 
Um, so, you know, just coming up and, and really seeing that, I think for us, you know, we had all those guys on our back and, and we took that out on the field. Um, so when we actually won and were able to bring it home for Baldwin, it was it was a good feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, like once again, completely agree with Aaron. It's just one of those experiences you're going through as it's happening and win after win, you really can't like I it's not a shock, but it was just like, whoa, like we're building and we're rolling on something here. And um, you know, to just to be a part of history. You know, it's like I, I remember when we got to the end of the season when we won, even in my mind, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, did we really just do this? And I, because I remember the game before the the county championship where I got, I just took the beating of my life that day. Yeah, I was gonna get into that later on. <laughs> <laughs> so getting getting to the championship and winning, and I, like in a like in the fashion that we did, it just it really did just take so much off your shoulders. And the the great part is like I felt like all of us felt it at the same time. Like I don't think any of us. I know people might say that myself or Weaver were, you know, two of the mo- like more important guys on the team. But I think everybody felt the same amount of pressure, the same amount of preparation. Like we all put in the work together as if if I was going to go down and the next guy was going to come in, they were going to perform just as well. And we all shared in that victory equally. Like nobody felt like, oh, it's more yours or it's more this person's like, nah, like we did this together. And if you ever look at that picture, you don't even I think I'm at the bottom there's a picture of us all together after we win. And I am in the bottom of that. I don't think I even see myself, <laughs> but that's how together we were. It didn't, nobody said, Hey, get in the front or somebody be here. Somebody be there. It was just like, nah, like we all jumped on each other. And when they took that picture, I remember that picture so well, cause it was just like, that just reminds me of how much we really cared about each other. Nobody cared about who got the, the credit for anything. We just wanted to win and we were glad that we could do it. And by the time you guys were 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0, and it had to become evident that you guys were a very good football team. But since both of you guys were leaders on that team, how did you keep your teammates focused despite the fact that your winning streak could have made them a little cocky? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think we had to keep each other focused. I think a lot of – I think we were already focused. And, again, it, it started in, you know, what I would say, you know, training camp. Um, we all had the mentality that, you know, for us as seniors, we took on the the mindset that this is our last go around. Um, you know, we haven't won a championship here yet. So let's, you know, let's be serious and let's make sure we're focused um, and hold everyone accountable. You know, so it was, you know, to Ricky's point, there was no one more important than the team. Um, everybody had to sacrifice and everybody had to put in work week in and week out. I mean, I can remember guys and, you know, I laugh at this now. I tease my friend Brandon Warner who, you know, he didn't get much playing time. But literally, if you came to practice and when we would run field goal, I mean, they would really push the first team. Him and uh, I think it was uh, Tyreek. I forgot his name. Yeah, Yeah, I know you're talking about (laughs) But, man, they would come off the edge. and But that, you know, the scout team pushed us hard. They pushed the first team. And then we got them better as well. So it was a joint effort, you know, um, from the whole squad. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, once once we rattled off a couple, I, I think the coaches even themselves, like, realized that they had something in us. Because we weren't – I mean, we weren't your conventional team. Uh, I don't think we were great at practice sometimes. Like we, uh, we had some bad practices. Like things would happen 
to us sometimes and we would be like man like how like to me about how are we winning sometimes we have really bad days sometimes we have really good ones but i think the coaches understood our personalities and who they were dealing with and i think that's what you get in great coaches sometimes is they can realize the team that they have and they don't try to shape and mold you into something that you're not and that always played to our advantage every time we got on the field because we you had a lot of gamers like we had a lot of guys that when once the lights were shining there was no telling us that we couldn't do it uh regardless of how the week might have went and i think once we got to about like you said like five six wins we started realizing oh like if we can if we come in prepared and we show up with our a game every time we get out here there's really you know we really have a chance to win every single game and and i know we had certain games like highlighted because I can remember, at least for me personally, I remember the year before taking beatings by certain teams and being like, okay, we're at a point where we're, you know, four games in five games and we've been winning. And now it's like, okay, I remember what happened last year with this team. You know, let's, let's, let's write that wrong. And the best part about it was five, six games in was your teammates trusting you to be you, you know, and, and so it's like nobody asked me to be anybody that I wasn't. You know, they let me, I mean, at that time I was really into, you know, church and faith and all that stuff. So they let me pray before the games. Like no one let anybody, no one made anybody feel like, oh man, like we got something going, just calm down. It's like, nah, it's like everyone was being who they were and it was helping so much. It's safe to say the key word with you guys was team and leaning on your teammates and making sure that you were per that you were performing at the level that they expected you guys and knew that you guys could perform at. And speaking of that, on the offensive side of the ball, you guys had you two along with Webster Brown as an offensive lineman, Joey Vanilla at quarterback, Jamel Saunders at tight end, and Chris O'Donnell at tight end. How did having all of these offensive weapons make your individual jobs easier? Uh, I would say for me, like, like, and literally I can't go anywhere without those guys. So you know, without, like, I had Jamel, and uh, we also had someone you meant, Tariq. Tariq had transferred into the school, and those two guys were in front of me most of the time when I was running the ball, and also Dakota Lupo. Um, and then you got that whole offensive line, Jimmy Gartland. You got all these guys up there who I can't, you know, I'm not getting past the line of scrimmage without them. And they made my life so easy. Like, being, I was probably the smallest guy out there uh the whatever was written in the programs was a lie <laughs> it was not six foot 170 i was about i'm about five nine 150 at the time and so i remember my mother she used to always be she'd come to the games and i could hear her voice every time i got hit but it was never i never got punished that way like throughout the season just because you know web was open up huge web would say things to me like hey man just follow me and i'd be like all right cool like you don't have to like things you just don't have to worry about or Joey. Cause I remember it's true. And Aaron might be able to, Aaron will back this up. I had a hard time catching tosses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. The tosses were tricky. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but then me, and, but Joey would take me aside yeah. like a lot and be like, so how could, like, how can I do it better for you? Mm-hmm. That you can catch them. Like, you know, you need a little softer, you need a little spin on it. And I'll be like, Dude, just do whatever feels comfortable. He's like, no, I want to make sure you catch them. Because once the ball's in your hand, I know you're going to do what you got to do, but we got to get it there. And that was probably like, 
the thing that also made me feel so comfortable just as a teammate is like, man, it's like people really going out of their way to make sure that, you know, you're as comfortable as possible so you can do your job. And besides the halfback toss plays, what was the biggest, biggest challenge that both of you guys as individuals and as a team had to face over the course of the season? It's hard to pick out things knowing that you guys went undefeated, but what were some of the challenges that were in your way? Hmm. I'll say the, I mean, I, I feel like that season, funny enough, I feel like it rained every home game. Like, I feel like the weather <laughs> was always against us every week. And, you know, you go to Baldwin, so, you know, you know how the fields are. <laughs> They're not uh, potholes and all. Grass in, uh, you know, uh, in some of these top stadiums. So, you know, that for us, you know, I guess it was an advantage because we were kind of used to it. So we got past the complaining. I mean, this seems like forever, but when we used to get the uh, the three-fourth spikes for your cleats, you know, I don't even know if they do spikes anymore. Most of these kids are wearing, like, molded cleats now. Like, it's a totally different game. But um, I would say that was the, the biggest issue. I think we were confident going into every game. And, you know, to Ricky's point earlier, it started early in the season. When we got on that roll, um, you know, I think they had us, what, like seventh that season? So no one really expected. Even though we started to win, they still were saying, okay, well, this is the week, right? We're playing Uniondale. They have uh, uh, Corliss. They have, you know, he's going to Penn State, and they have this guy. And it felt like they just kept overlooking us. So, you know, quiet is kept. We just kept our head down, kept punching. And, um, you know, I think we caught everybody off guard. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think uh... – Weather-wise, he's right. I mean, I, it was one of those things where I remember we played a game. Can't remember where we were. They made us change our spikes before we came out because they said, "Oh, you guys can't wear those." So we went in. Uh, we everybody had to change them. Obviously, they changed the starter spikes first so that we could get out there. And it was really, I think, for all of us, it was really trying to one keep an edge all all season long, which they were giving us. Like Weaver said, like nobody really had us winning anything so that's an edge and then just staying as mentally focused and sharp as we could because it gets like football is it's long it's grueling it's not like a basketball season it gets your body's tired you're tired of pushing on each other and all that and then you have to still have the energy for a saturday or a friday and you still have to have that so it's just staying sharp staying fresh and then not like resting on your laurels like not looking at oh we went in like we can lay back and we had moments like that but we also had you know the coaches very much let us know who we were all the time like we're still the smaller team you know we're still you know the underdogs every time we're out there so I think that helped a lot and, and a lot of the uh, like we were said before a lot of the the guys that were backups and things like that were on us all the time like I think there were weeks where in practice where they would tell me I wasn't going to start because, you know, one of the other kids was having a better – they were just messing with me, but one of the other running backs are having a better week than me. And I'll be like, are you kidding me? And it's things that just gave us an edge from time to time. So when we went out there, we would play our hardest. So even when it was hard to nitpick what you guys had to work on throughout these large wins, you guys still found a way in practice to, you know, be on each other and make sure you guys were staying focused and staying at the top of your game. Now, moving over to your position and how you guys played, Aaron, you were originally a quarterback, but shifted gears to be a wide receiver. How did you manage to adjust to a whole new style of play? Uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't that hard. I think, I think there's a, 
you know, as a quarterback, you have the ball in your hand a lot. So naturally, quarterbacks have good hands. Um, but but for me, it was, you know, what was best for the team? How could I, you know, make the biggest impact on the team? And, you know, after my junior year, um, you know, midway through the season, uh, me and Coach Carroll had a conversation about, you know, what was the best route for the team and how it could be most impactful um, and felt like, you know, that move to receiver would allow me to um, really help the team. And, you know, this is coming, you know, this is after seeing a guy like Will Barrow, right, throwing to a guy like Will Barrow and seeing the impact that he had from that position and, and was able to be so versatile. You know, I gladly accepted that role. Um, and, you know, it allowed – uh, and an athlete like Joey Vanella, who may be one of the most underrated athletes to ever come out of Baldwin, uh, really get a chance to um, to come into his own uh, and really shine and, and really have a great impact on the team. So it was a pre- pretty easy transition in that respect. Um, so, you know, I didn't complain at all. And it's pretty clear due to the success that you guys had that you definitely did wonders at the wide receiver position. But now looking at the journey that you guys had to the championship, Ricky, you brought it up before, but in the semifinal game against East Middle, you had six carries for 33 yards, which was one of the down points despite your stellar season. But for both of you, how did the team adjust to the lack of the running game in that game? I think we stayed, I mean, we stayed confident. Like that was, I think that was the one thing that kept me going that game. Uh, getting like beat up, but at the same time, no one got really frustrated and like we were talking about like like knowing Joey like we we had not i think that that year yet put on a passing display really and knowing that what we were capable of it's cuz seeing it in practice cuz Joey could sling it like no nobody had really seen it yet just cuz i'm obviously you're handing the ball to me all day and we're getting these big leads we're not in a in a position where we ha- really have to throw the ball a lot but Joey can sling it and then knowing like seeing what Aaron could do day in, day out of practice and, and him, he never complained about not getting the ball or anything like that. It was just a matter of time. And then when it happened, just knowing and looking at those guys saying, Oh, they're going to be ready. And then coach saying, all right, we're going to dial it back. We're going to have to throw the ball. And I was actually put on the sideline for a good amount of that time. And just, I was as upset as I was just because I was having a bad game was also as confident I was because I was like, I don't believe there was a, in high school, a single person that could stay next to Aaron. Because it's like, because I thought to myself, we have some of the best athletes on this team. And I was like, and I can't, I was like, I think I'm a great, you know, I played cornerback on, for defense. And I was like, I think I'm, I'm a pretty, like, fast guy. And I was like, but I can't stay next to him. I don't think anybody else can. And so knowing, and then knowing Joey was also extremely accurate. And he had his whole, like, you know, all him, him and all his receivers had a, a shorthand already. And going to that game, I said, all right, like, if we're down and it looks bad, I'm confident that, you know, if we abandon the running game at any point, like, there's no, like, it doesn't make us any less of a team. It actually, like, it probably will make us a lot better just because people haven't seen it. And I think that was that, you know, kind of caught East Meadow by surprise because they, they, were, they were so geared on the running game that day that once we kind of opened it up and, and we ran the spread, uh, they didn't really know what to do with it because it was just literally moving up the field because we were down and we didn't have that much time, but moving up the field, bing, 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 just because Joey was always prepared. 
Weaver was always ready. Like there was, there's not a moment too big for those guys. And I was extremely grateful in that, in that moment for sure. Yeah. And just to, just to piggyback on that, I, you know, I think that goes to the past question of, um, you know, Ricky really helped. I think we, we all helped each other in some, in some respect because, you know, when Ricky would run and, and we would get these leads again, we didn't have to throw the ball. And if you know our offense back then, it was, I mean, it was a pretty simple offense. I love Coach Carroll, but he, you know, he, he didn't expand more than we really, we needed to, um, which actually helped us because again, in the, in the championship, um, what they did, unfortunately, they knew about Ricky at this point, right? He's been running all over Nassau and they loaded the box. So it wasn't his fault that he just wasn't having a, a good game. They were stacking the box and basically daring us to throw the ball, um, which we, you know, to his point, we had, we had been prepared to do. And, uh, you know, even the last few games in that season, they were, you know, they were really trying to stop Ricky. That was, that was the game plan for most of the teams, right? You know, he, I don't know how many yards. He must have had over 15, 2,000 yards, you know. So they were like, if we could stop Ricky, then we got a good chance. Um, but we had a great receiving core. And, again, Joey – who, you know, was very mobile. Unfortunately, he, you know, he had an injury at the end of the season, which if he didn't, they would have really been in trouble. You know, we don't even talk about that. But, you know, Joey was super fast, um, his great agility. Um, but again, we were ready for them to stack the box. And when they did, you know, we took advantage. That same game, the East Meadow game, you had a game-winning touchdown catch. Walk me through that play. Oh, it was uh... – I forgot how many seconds was left. It's funny because, you know, I think at this point, we, I think the team, the players were confident that we were still going to win the game. <laughs> but when you looked at some of the eyes on the sideline, I'm not going to mention any names. Some of the coaches were like, you yeah, know, I don't know. Right. So um, the last couple of plays, funny enough, we were calling our own plays. Joey Vanilla was coming to the huddle. We basically shut out the coaches and everybody, and we said, we're going to win this ourselves. Um, Joey came in. He called trips left verticals. And, you know, it just happened. I don't know what they were doing with their safeties, but, you know, trips left, we basically send three receivers to the left side. I run up the middle. One guy um, in the slot splits the safety, goes underneath to pull him, and then we have one guy on the outside to hold the cornerback. And, uh, and it opened up. I mean, we had been running past their safety all game, so it was really just a matter of time. And uh, Joey, you know, like in Joey's style, put it up there right on the money. And honestly, I just ran and just had to catch it. I really didn't have to do much. It was there when it needed to be. And uh, it was crazy, man, because when, when the ball – when I caught it, it was just like – it was so surreal that I didn't realize it. Like, in the moment, you're just overwhelmed with the excitement, but – you're almost shocked and like we just really just won this at the end of the game and uh I can remember remember the stands looking up in the stands at Hofstra everyone going crazy I mean it's one of the it's giving me goosebumps now just thinking about it man it was uh it was one of the most exciting and and, and surreal moments of my life man for real and what's, what's crazy was like I was on the sideline for that play I wasn't out there I remember because look little unkept secret I can't I couldn't block so <laughs> <laughs> They had to get me out of there. You know, I wasn't a pass blocker. They was like, all right, we got to get you out. And I'm standing on the side, and I'm thinking to myself, man, it's only – I think it was about, like, six seconds left in the game. And I was very much just standing there like, man, like, it's crazy. I'm not out here to help decide this game. But, 
as like as we like I didn't see the coaches going in there to tell to you know Joey wasn't coming to the sideline to ask for plays. I was like, did they give him a script? Like, what's going on? And he's just tossing that thing. And then I see this play, and like maybe Weaver Weaver might see it. He might have a different uh, he has a different vantage point, different perspective. He's out there, but literally like Joey threw it perfectly because mm-hmm. the guy jumped barely missed the ball with his fingertips to get it and it and weaver has the concentration to just play like as if it, the guy didn't jump at, at the ball at all and he catches it and like just the like everyone erupted and i think i don't think i erupted i think i just stood there and took a deep breath and i was like thank god <laughs> but i was like it would have been for us i feel like it would have been really sad because we had a rough time with them the first time we played them and you know we ended up winning that game but it would have been really sad like to end it that way because uh, it just felt like, you know, we felt – I'd still felt like we were the better team. We were just having a bad day. Uh, and, you know, the flipping it, you know, flipping the offense to make sure, like, we spread it out. There were four wide a lot, and then we went to trips, all that stuff. I said, man, this is – it was just beautiful to see, for real. And, I, I like, he was right. Everyone was – I couldn't hear a thing once he caught that ball. I can't believe they left you on the sideline for that play, knowing that they needed a t- touchdown to win. I couldn't block, man. <laughs> I was a liability. Trust me. Were you one of the people that thought that the game was over? No. Once I once I saw the way we were moving up the field, I was like, oh, like, because I think at that point there was a like we kind of I can't remember exactly how the plays went, but they kicked it off to us, and we kind of, you know, I think they I kicked, think they kicked it. it. And Dakota grabbed that ball and moved it at least to close to half uh, to midfield. And when I saw that, I said, oh, we got a chance just because we don't have to go to – we don't have to go the length of the field. I think, I think they were surprised that uh, – and, and they're also surprised that like – I, like I knew we had a good passing game. Like there was no – like in my mind, I was like, no. Nah. I was like, I don't think people understood how good like Weaver – you know, Weaver was in that time and in that, like, because we were just, we just weren't showcasing him, which I get, you take me off that team. And I feel like, you know, I just happened to have the better season that year, just because we, because of the offense we ran, we ran a different offense. It's a different year. And I feel like we still win a championship just with Weaver, with all the, you know, the yards and everything like that, just because it's literally just because of the style of offense that we ran that, you know, I ended up that way. But, like, just that game in itself, I believe, showed people that, like, oh, you cannot put one person on Aaron Weaver. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, why would you put one person on him? You need two. Like, you need someone underneath and above, and you still got to hope, like, as good as Joey was, that because Joey could put it right in the window. And he really could. And so it was like at the end of that game, there was nothing in me that was just like, oh, we're going to lose. Like in my brain, I was like, oh, we're going to win this. And I like, I didn't think it was going to throw it to Aaron because I I thought they would put two people on Aaron. <laughs> and the fact that they didn't, and I saw it going to Aaron, I said, before it got to him, I was like, oh, we're going to win. I just saw it in there. I said, oh, like, we're going to win. Just because I don't understand how there were not two people like I would have took a pass interference. Like I would, I would have knocked Aaron Weaver down before he even before the ball can get to him. But it's just there was one person there, and it, it just I was surprised. And now continuing on with the interview, that touchdown led you guys to the Nassau County Championship, where you guys defeated Massapequa 
32 to 7. How much how much more did the win mean knowing that it came in a blowout? And did you guys come into the game thinking that you could blow out Massapequa in such fashion? Yeah, I, I think we did. I mean, you know, no no disrespect to those guys over in Massapequa. They were great, but we played them early in the season. Uh, they won our first games, and uh, I just felt like we were the better team. Uh, to be quite honest, East Meadow, who was our tougher uh, toughest opponent during the season and obviously in the playoffs, once we got past them, I knew we could beat either team, um, whether it was Uniondale or Massapequa. And uh, out of those two, I think Uniondale probably would have gave us a better matchup in the championship just because I, I feel like they had a little bit more speed. Uh, and, you know, that was that was the time they had still had AstroTurf at Hofstra. So if you were fast and you got out, you could really get going. Um, but once we got past East Meadow and then, you know, I think it was later, maybe be, I don't remember how late it was because Uniondale and Massapequa played after us. Um, once I got the word that we were playing Massapequa, I mean, I was like, all right, as long as we go in there and do what we've been doing, we're going to handle these guys pretty easily. And um, obviously Ricky went off. Um, and had a great game and just ran all over him. So, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't worried. I don't think the team was either. Yeah, I think we all together kind of had a feeling that after that game that it was like, oh, no, this is – like it's like in a weird way, like it's destiny because it's as if we like – you know, we stole something. But it just felt like, okay, here we are now. And like Weaver said, we played them early in the year. It was our first – that was our first game, yeah. first of game, and – we were still putting all the like putting all the pieces together at that time of how we we're gonna look, and we I think we only end, I mean maybe fourteen seven or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Uh-huh. It was closer than it seemed close, but I felt like we had progressed so much throughout the year just as a team together, and I think a lot of that had to do with like a lot of the tests and all the the things that we faced. You know, there was I think the Uniondale game was a big test for us in the season, and I think that's the game that Joey got hurt. And I think that's when I realized, I think as a team, we realized, man, we're so close. Cause we like literally we carried Joey from play to play. He wouldn't get off the field. And he was like, wow. no, just, he was just wow. carrying me. So we carried him from the line, carried him from line of scrimmage to line of scrimmage because he couldn't run. And that was the point where I was like, oh, like we got something special here. And then we play East Meadow that first time and have a really tough time with him, but get it done. And then we, here we are again, get past them, squeak away. And then I'm thinking, oh, this Massapequa game at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, we're going to – I wasn't thinking we are going to crush them. But I said to myself, if they don't pre- like present the same type of difficulty that East Meadow did, then they're, they're in for a, a tough day, especially because I was upset. Like, I, I, nobody knew this. I didn't speak it out loud. But after that East Meadow game, I, I, was, I was heated. And nobody knows me to be that way, but I was angry just because I was like, man, like, I don't like that feeling. You know, even though everyone's doing their best and everything like that, and then I didn't feel like I, was, I was, wasn't trying my hardest, but I don't like that feeling of just being stopped. And so I definitely made it a, you know, made it a priority to get out there and really run as hard as I possibly could. Uh, and, and at the end, I think it just paid off. Yes. It definitely did from six yards for 33 carries in one game to 42 carries and 316 rushing yards in the next. What was going through your head knowing that you were probably going to receive the ball on every play? I didn't know it right away. 
So it was like, as the game kept going, Joey was the one really telling me like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> I, I didn't notice what was happening. I was just focused on like, All right, let's, let's get the next one in. Let's get the next one in. And, you know, halfway through the game, you know, they're telling me like, hey, man, like, you know, we're, we're going to keep feeding you like throughout this game. Like if you if you're tired or something, let us know. But I it's weird. Like I felt this. I don't know how to explain it. Like I never felt tired that day. Like not a bit. Like uh, Joey was looking at me. He's like, Joey's like, man, you're sweating a lot. I never felt it. Never felt anything. Just felt like I probably felt the best I ever felt in my entire life that day. Uh, and, you know, I, I was just happy to play that way because, you know, like, um, you know, growing up, like I, I moved to Baldwin late. So I was like, I wasn't around for bombers and all stuff. Like I didn't know these, like these guys didn't really meet me football-wise till we were like in middle school. And a lot of these guys played together growing up. And so it was always important to me to fit in and to like, you know, do my part. Cause you know, you, you, I heard all the stories before we all started playing together of how great Aaron was and how, how great Webster was and all these things. And it's just like, and then also missing out on, cause I think I almost, I almost quit. No, I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit. And they came to my house to come get me uh, my sophomore year. And I had missed out on the chance to play varsity my sophomore year with these guys. And I always held that in my heart, too, because I was just like, man, like, you know, I missed out on this time. And I didn't really want to. But the soft, my sophomore year was also probably the most fun I ever had playing football because there was really nothing on the line. And we were just having a good time on junior varsity and having a great time. And, and then getting to varsity and being able to play with everybody, I think I needed that one year to kind of really enjoy football at like its highest as fun as it's ever gonna be because then when you get to varsity it's still fun but now we we really playing for something here and so that that day that moment meant so much to me because i felt like it wasn't really about me it was really about giving everybody else uh their due because they all year kind of had to deal with me getting the ball all day <laughs> and i felt like that day i repaid them i was like all right like thank you everybody for like trusting me so much all year nobody ever put me down if I had a bad game if I, if I fumbled the ball or something like that nobody none of my teammates ever yelled at me about anything and I think when you have a special group of guys like that like if you know if we were in the NFL it's like one of those things where you, and I was making that much money you buy everybody something and I felt like that day was like a day I was like man I, I felt like I was purchasing something for everyone like here for just because of what they did for me all year and other than your mentality that you spoke on before, what adjustments did you have to make in between games that allowed you to go completely off in a championship game? And for you, Aaron, knowing that the majority of the plays were coming on the ground, what ways did you have to adjust your game in order to still have a large impact? You want uh, yeah, you can take it. Take it, Aaron. You go first. Uh, you, you, well, you, t you take the first question and uh, okay. yeah. Uh, I would say adjustment-wise, it really was just maybe just sharper focus. You know, everything on that East Meadow game seemed so blurry. They muddied everything up really well at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we really couldn't – we you know, you're running that power eye. My two, the two guys in front of me couldn't get – barely could get through the line of scrimmage. And so I know one of the things that uh, Coach Espo taught me early on was – kind of sucking the defense in and bouncing it out so that was one of the things we always worked on and it was very evident that day that that was going to work 
because uh, it just seemed like, you know, we do have, we had a really strong inside running game, despite, you know, me being a smaller guy. It's like all these bigger guys in front of me, they did a great job of opening holes. So what I would do, I mean, that day for me, it was very much like that. Once you sucked everybody in, just bounce it out and see if they can catch you. And it was just a day and they couldn't catch me. So I just, I just kept at that. And I think also people don't know this, but defensively, I probably had more fun defensively than I did offensively because I just felt like defensively we were a better team than anybody might have gave us credit for. Uh, even though we were smaller than most teams, there's a lot of speed out there and you know a lot of guys are really tenacious and really good at their jobs. Like you can throw the ball around Weaver because he was probably going to pick it off. And then, you know, you just had a bunch of pests out there. And that's really the stuff that I paid more attention to that day. Like I, I enjoyed, you know, getting all the yards and everything like that. But that day I was like, yo, if we stay locked in defensively, there's really no one that can – like you're going to have to really beat us, beat us. Because instead – because offensively, we, the only thing we can really do is beat ourselves. If we're locked in defensively, we're going to have a tough day. Yeah. I forgot the question. What was the question that you asked before? <laughs> knowing, knowing that the majority of the plays are on the ground, in what ways did you – adjust your game to still have a large impact on it? Uh, you know, I think it was just being ready for, for, for when my number was called and, and really um, trying to take advantage of every time I touched the rock. You know what I mean? That's, that's all you really can do. I mean, I think the good thing is, um, like Ricky said, we just wanted to see everybody win. There was no frustration. You can't really be frustrated when you're blowing the team out, right? But not touching the ball. There was a lot of guys that wanted to get more playing time, and um, but we were all had one goal, and that was to win the championship. So for me, it was you know um, when I touch the ball, I want to make sure that I do the most that I can with it. You know what I mean? Whether it's one time a game or two times a game, if I get it, I'm trying to score. Um, and really, other than that, I said you know whether it was special teams, returning punts, returning kickoffs. Or like Ricky said, defense, when we had opportunities to make picks and make plays, you know, we wanted to take advantage of them. Everybody did. And I think that really raised the level of our play. And that really had everyone locked in that, you know, when you were giving your shot, whatever that opportunity is, to make the most of it. So um, that, that's kind of how we stayed focused and um, how we kept, uh, kept winning and chugging along. And obviously both of you played a huge part in that game, which resulted you guys resulted in you guys winning the county championship. If you guys could flash back 15 years, do you guys remember the first thing you did or first thing that was said when the final whistle blew? Oof. Probably <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a lot of curse words flying around. The <laughs> <laughs> if I know our line. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we were just so happy for each other. I mean, honestly, you know, it's funny. I I'm going to look at that picture Ricky mentioned earlier that picture that we took on the 50 yard line when they brought out the hats and uh we were just so excited for each other I mean everyone just has the biggest cheese smile on because we know the amount of work we put in the days the time that we all committed to each other you know what I mean it was a big sacrifice for everyone everyone was held accountable and uh you know when that final whistle blew you know, you just want to hug anybody close to you. It didn't matter if the guy was, you know, third string, fourth string. Everybody was high-fiving. We were just so happy, and, um, you know, we saw it. And the town was happy for us, which was, which was even more, uh, you know, more better. So it was uh, – we enjoyed it. And I would say I – think, I think we had cupcakes, too. I remember the cupcakes. 
That sounds strange, but I remember like the hats came out, cupcakes came out. There's yeah. some picture of me eating a cupcake, not looking at anything. And I was like, how did somebody catch me eating this cupcake? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the stuff I remember. I remember the, the you know, the little things and like, you know, the, all the, you know, my running back coach, Coach Espo, just being, you know, telling me like, man, like I told you, like things like I told you. And I'm just like, you know, because I remember being a sophomore and he would come to some of the games and he'd be like, hey, when you come up, you know, you know, we're going to, you know, you're going to, if, if you come up with the right mentality and stuff like that, you're going to have a, you know, a good shot to, you know, make a difference. And I thought he was crazy because I was like, what are you talking about? Because I was looking at some of these running backs that came before me, these big guys. I'm just like, what? Like, no, like I'm 150 pounds. Like, what are you saying? And, but he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And, you know, my teammates saw the same thing and it, it helped me to work harder so it's like in that time you kind of have all these moments flashing back in your flashing in your mind because you're just like yo like all this work that you put in all these things that you've been doing you know you can finally take a like a, a breath you can relax a little bit because you know here's something that this school's been trying to accomplish for so long and me even thinking to myself they were better teams than, the te- than us you know seeing all like like I said like I I remember watching you know that team with you know, those teams with, with Will Barron being like, I don't like, like, I don't even see how, like how to be able to live up to, to the things that these guys were doing. And I, you know, I, at that moment, I just felt really blessed. And I think also like my, uh, you know, my father was there. I remember my father, because my father's a busy man, drives a cab, you know, really couldn't come out to games. But then when he heard that, you know, we were going to play in Hofstra and stuff like that, he was like, what's going on over there? I didn't know. You know, he's seeing paper clippings. His friends are telling him, like, yo, is this your son? And he was just like, he wasn't really aware because he's just man that works very, very hard, keeps his head down. But then when he came to, he came to see the East Metal game. And I was like, that was another reason I was sick because I was like, man, my dad's watching me play and I'm getting smacked out here. And then he came to the Matt Speaker game and I, and I had that great game. And, you know, that's like one of the first people I wanted to see. And he was like, man, I'm just really proud of you and, and the way you, you work. You don't really, complain about nothing and things of that nature. And so that meant a lot to me too, because, you know, you know, as a kid, you always want your dad's approval. And for me, that was a big thing. And so those are the things that I remember that day. And when you guys are on the bus with the plaque, with your individual plaques, how much screaming is happening? How much cursing? How much, how much celebration is happening on the bus? Cause I know bus rides, especially after you win a championship, I know it's just different. It hits differently. <laughs> I feel like we had a lot of comedians on our team, so it was a lot of jokes, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ricky could probably attest to this the best, but our front, our, our old line was so tight, and they were the same defensive linemen, but they were so tight with each other. I mean, Mr. Kelly, he probably knows this well. I had Brown, Garland. I mean, these guys were comedians. So <laughs> it, was, it was never a dull moment with any of those guys, and when you put them together – him, Josh, Noel, um, it was Teddy, Teddy Riley. I mean, it was it was a crew. We had a funny crew, so I know it was just a lot, a lot of excitement. Um, again, and a lot of jokes. You know, just laughing at things that happened either on the field or during the game um, on that bus ride. Because we we also had like our own shorthand. Like there were things that people didn't know about that we did, like bird calls and stuff of that nature that nobody knew what was going on. But we just were messing around a lot. 
And so it, all those things came out on that bus ride of just like, we did it our own way. You know, like no, like no one forced us to be this real super serious about everything we, we had to do. It's like, we, we joked around a lot. Yes, we did. But we also got the job done. And so that I think for a lot of us that let us know that, hey man, like no one, no one can make you be anything other than you are. And if you trust in that, then whatever lies ahead of you, it's like, no, it can be accomplished. And we also all enabled each other to be that way. Like we, like we needed Webster and, and, you know, guys like Brandon Warren, it's like to let some of the air out of everything. You need that when you're going on a, like a run like that we went on, like you need jokes and you need guys that know how to have fun and don't take things too seriously because I, I very much was a guy that took things very seriously. Having those guys around helped so much. So on that bus ride is like you get to let loose with them for real. And we're all just laughing and joking and, and we're dancing around. And it's like, you know, a lot of those guys can't dance, but they was dancing. <laughs> we just had a good time, man. We really did just have a good time. And it was nice to also see the coaches really happy. Yeah. That's something that, you know, Carol's been trying to – he was trying to get one for so long. Mm-hmm. Be those guys that, you know, he's going to have to remember this team. Yeah. You know, and that just feels great because it's, it wasn't – we weren't that perfect cookie cutter team that, you know, everyone wanted or everyone was trying to have, but we were the perfect team to get the job done. And I think he's always, like, he always remembers us and will always remember, you know, the antics, the dancing, the, 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 the thing, like all the things that we just made up along the way to keep ourselves entertained, but also to keep an edge and, and to get the job done. So it was, yeah, man, that bus ride was it was it was one of the best for sure. Following that game, your last game of the season came against William Floyd, in which you guys lost. Obviously, if Joey Vanella was fully healthy, the game could have been a lot different. But describe for me the emotions that were running through your heads, knowing that it was the end of a very legendary season. Uh, I think I remember. I remember that week of practice. I don't think I practiced at all that week. To be honest, <laughs> retired, injured. Uh, th- well, they were worried about me because of the amount of carries, mm. load management. Board. So they let me like, at least two or three days. I don't think I did anything, but like really light stuff. But I wanted to because I, I knew it was like our last week. Like we weren't going to be doing anything else. And you're just, you know, it was it was tough because it's just like man, it's like all these memories we're making. You know, it, it's coming to an end. And um, it was, I think we were just on a very high, high, you know, when I think about the approach to that game and, and, and going into that game. Um, and it was just like, like I said, like, it was just one of those weeks where, you know, everyone's kind of looking at each other. There's no real rah-rah all week. Like we knew we had to play another game, um, but we all very much were still enjoying what we accomplished. Um, but I, I think we prepared well. Don't get me wrong. We prepared really well for that game. Um, and I just think we should have probably flipped the game plan a little sooner. Uh, we tried to run the ball pretty often. And then they were, they were, they kind of, it was like playing East Metal all over again. Uh, and I think we just took a little too long to get to the passing game. Cause once we got to the passing game, the game was closer than people might think it was. Like if we would have went to the passing game a lot sooner in that game, I think. Uh, we definitely would have had a, a better chance to win it because what we lose by two touchdowns, I think. And it it felt like it was more than that at times, but 
you know, once we went into the past game, got into a flow of things, I think that uh, it definitely the game, you know, went way better. Uh, but I just remember just looking at everybody and being like, man, like we we took it to the very end, the very brink, and we pushed each other as hard as we could push each other. And if this is how things end, there's really nothing wrong with that. Like uh, it wasn't a, a overwhelming feeling of sadness or anything like that. It's just a lot of joy because of the memories we made. Yeah. Yeah, I would just echo the same thing. I mean, we left it all on the field, you know, that week of practice. I think we even practiced it like, Baldwin Park, like it was really a really light practice, and we were practicing under the lights just to get ready for Stony Brook. And you know, to Ricky's point, you know, we were still on the high from from winning the championship. Um, but we went into that game, you know, ready to win and ready to perform, and we gave it our best shot. You know, they had some studs on their side. A couple guys I ended up playing with in college: Brock Jakowski, Joe Sedaris. Um, they had the Blair Bynes, who was, you know, a big Rutgers commit, which was, you know, he was a, he was a load, big, big, big linebacker and a big fullback. So they had some really talented guys on their side. And, you know, they have a great program over there at Floyd. Um, but we, we gave it our best shot. And, um, you know, I think really I can remember that halftime going into the locker room. And that's, I think, where, when it really set into me that, wow, this is the last two quarters that I'm going to ever play with these guys that I love. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, you you hold the tears in because you know you still got one more half, um, but you leave it out on the field. At that point, you know, I think everyone was content that, you know, we're going to give it our all and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, uh, you know, we definitely walked off that field. You know, hats off to those guys. They played a great game, but uh, we, we our, our uh, head was high when we left because we know we, we left it all out there, so. And this, and this guy put on a show that day, I, I remember, because it was another day of they just covered Weaver with one person. And I like and, and Joey just abandoned all <laughs> all he abandoned Joey abandoned all reason. I was just like, no, if they're gonna put one guy on you, I'm just throwing it up. And Weaver was just like, Cool, I, don't worry about it. Let's let's go. And he put on a show. I remember because I was you know, once we start running the ball, I was out there a couple plays here and there, but I was really just watching, you know, Weaver put on a show. And that for me was a, a great thing, like to end the season for me, just because I get to, I got to watch, you know, Weaver do his like really do his thing that day, because you just really couldn't like they tried to put one guy on him and I just I I think they switched a couple guys from time to time, they put a new guy out there and he was getting embarrassed. They put another guy out there and I was like, and for me it was just I you know as much as it was tough to lose that game, there was a lot of joy in seeing Weaver go off that day because I was just like man like. Really, like you, this guy's—he's a, a spectacle, man. There's, there's really nothing. Like I, I, I watched him and said, man, there's nothing he can't do out here, you know. Yeah. And uh, looking at the season as a whole, Ricky, you're Baldwin's latest and fourth Thorpe Award winner, which is given to the best football player in Nassau County. You were also the Nassau County Championship Offensive MVP. Obviously, you were All County and All Long Island and Academic All Conference. Although you speak about how much the team had to do with this legendary season. How did it feel to win these, these honors? And how did Bolden put you in a position to achieve such success? Uh, I would say, man, I, I, was, I was shocked at all of that. Like, I remember when they told me about the Thorpe, I asked them, what is that? Uh, and they were like, yo, you might win it, so just be ready. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
and they sat me down and said, well, you know, here's this, they give it to the best player in the county. And, you know, if you really look at the season, you know, you, you're up for it. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't really know what it all meant until really like standing there with that trophy and being like, wow, like amongst, you know, I'm looking at, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Conti Catino and Andrew Corliss and, you know, the guys from East Meadow, I'm looking at all these guys and I'm saying like, in my mind, looking at them say they're all bigger, stronger, maybe faster, all these things than me. I was like, I don't understand. But that season helped me to realize like if you, if you do put in the work, cause I, I did spend that summer working as hard as I could to be in good shape. I, I mean, I didn't get any bigger. I wasn't really lifting weights or anything like that that much, but trying to make sure I was in good shape. And I wanted to make sure that I was a good leader. Those are the two things that were important to me just cause I knew, you know, you're going to have, I was going to have a lot of guys trusting in me and then also just making sure I was on top of my schoolwork and things like that. Just cause, you know, if you can't stay in class, you can't stay on the field. So it's really, you know, those things go hand in hand. And I also think the school definitely helped nurture me into, you know, that kind of young man. You got a lot of teachers that are very confident in you, always instilling in you, you know, all these great values to make sure, you know, because if, if you're putting in the effort, they want to put in the effort too. And I, I don't think I ever had one you know, time, one instance in school where I felt like, you know, these teachers don't care about me. Like everybody cares about you and they want to see you do well. And um, I, to the point where I remember, I think I hurt my leg a little bit one day, just a little. And I remember coming into school that day. And at the time, one of the deans, I'm not going to put no names out there, met me at the door. White or bland? What? I'm, guess, I'm guessing it was Dean White or Dean Bland. No, he, he don't work there no more. Oh, they don't. Okay, okay. Um, but <laughs> met me at the door. So you know, great game the other day. And he's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, right, "I'm a little banged up." And he said, "All right, just wait right here." The bell rung. I was like, "I'm gonna be late." He says, "Don't worry, I'm gonna take you to class. You're gonna be like, I'm gonna." He walked me to my class and gave the teacher the like, "Hey, like it's okay." And when everybody like let everybody leave and then take like let him come out. And I was like, I don't really deserve this preferential treatment. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, is this a result of everything I've done to this point? Like I never put any of these deans or anything in a bad position. I never put like I've always tried my best to make sure that my schoolwork was good, that I was a good like model citizen, everything like that. And I was like, it actually pays off at some point because I, I didn't feel like I deserved it or needed that. But I was very happy to have it, that it was an option. And I think Baldwin very much you know, helped me realize, man, if you really just stay the course and you be the best person you can be and, you know, respect everyone and respect yourself when the time comes for, you know, you to, if you need a little, if you need anything, a little favor, a little, you know, something where it's like, man, it's like, I just need a break. Like, it'll come your way. Someone will give it to you because everyone's recognizing, you know, how hard you're working and, and how focused you stay. Uh, so that, that really meant a lot to me, you know, on top of, you know, getting all the awards and uh, being an all Long Island player and all that, like, and getting to, cause, cause then we got to practice with these all Long Island, on the all Long Island team. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, I can't believe I'm here with all these guys. Like, cause it's just never something that was in my mind to do or be. Uh, but it's also credit to Weaver, too, just because 
Weaver really like watching Weaver be who he is on the on the field and seeing how he go, goes about his life, you know, in school and all those things like help push me to be like, oh, okay, like here's here's this really talented guy that I met when, you know, what Saint Chris? Yeah, way back in the day. Saint Christopher, we played basketball together. Like here's this guy I met and was always trying to like catch up to, and it felt great to just be in his presence in those moments like here are these big moments and it's like okay like i'm i'm standing next to the guy that i've always wanted to stand next to in it in this realm of life and so it, it meant a lot all that stuff really meant a lot and for you aaron you are the school's second player ever to receive the dragon award given to the best receiver in nassau county you were the long island championship offensive mvp despite losing you were also all county all long island and an msg tri-state player of the week you caught 27 passes for 820 yards and 11 touchdowns, which resulted in 30 yards per reception. How did it feel for you to accomplish all these feats? And how did Baldwin put you in a position to achieve such, such success? You can see Ricky, he's scoffing at the fact that your stats are ridiculous. So. It was, uh, you know, it was good. It was, it was good. At the end, you know, I think, you know, going back to the season, um, again, we were winning a lot. So, you know, as, as much as you want to showcase your talent, you know, it's really no, you know, at, at a certain point when you're up 40, right, it's like get the guys in who haven't played. So, you know, to be able to, you know, uh, you know, be recognized with, with my peers and with Ricky as someone that was impactful um, was great. And then, you know, the accolades, um, you know, you don't think about them. I, I, you know, I'm just thinking about them now because really in the moment you really didn't think about it. I think it's just so much happening. I mean, if you really look at it, for me, the traje trajectory of my career as football really started after that catch, right? Because the, the championship game is when, you know, just looking at how, how everything happens for a reason. The championship game is when Hofstra had brought in a new coach, which he just happened to be in the box that night of the championship game, which, you know, if we don't get to the championship, I never get that offer, right? And then, you know, going to Long Island Championship, there happened to be some scouts there looking at Blair Bynes, and I happened to have a good game. So, you know, everything just kind of happened for a reason, and life was moving really fast at that point. But, again, like Ricky said, just to have somebody else there next to you that came and was with you there the whole season to be on that Long Island, all Long Island team, and, you know, my boys right here is two of us, and we could represent and put on for the Bruins. It really felt good. It really felt good. and. um you know, that's so, uh, one of the moments I'll remember, you know, for the rest of my life. And, and in 11 games, you guys both combined for 31 touchdowns, 32 touchdowns, sorry. Have you guys ever looked down at the stat sheet and just say, damn, we're pretty good and we're making a positive impact on this team? Do you guys ever self-reflect or did that all come at the end of the season when it was all over? I think that, that definitely came at the end for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it came at the end. Like, yeah, I, I like it, it wasn't one of those things that I don't think any of us paid attention to, like the stats, or like what, like who was scoring what, what was happening. Like, it came at the end, and it's just like when you think about it, it's, it's really, it really is astounding. Like, it's not one of those like to know that. You know, the two of us really had that big of an impact because it felt very like it felt very spread out to me, like as it was happening. But then when you look at it, you know, but there's there's so many people doing so many things to put 
the two of us in the right positions all the time to to have that impact. And then all we have to do is kind of let our talent take over. You know, it's like I, I remember a play might have been against I don't know if it was Hempstead or Uniondale where they punt the ball and Weaver gets it and I see him go across the field three or four times, make everybody miss, score a touchdown. And I'm just like, it's really just because our coaches put us in these positions to say, okay, you know, Weaver Weaver catches punts and, you know, he's going to make this thing happen and just letting his talent take over. And I think there was a play in Uniondale where they kicked the punt and it was short and I picked it up and just ran it in. And it's really just our coaches leaving us on the field for like – you don't need to, I don't need to be on a punt team, but they put me on there and put like Weaver on there and things like that because they knew like at certain times our talent was gonna do things that you know that, that we, we ourselves couldn't even imagine. And I think we're very lucky and, and very blessed to you know, like you said, look if you look at a stat sheet and see the things that we did, you know, it's just something to be proud about and to be grateful for. So from the early 2000s to now in 2020, how much of an impact has Coach Carroll had on the athletes you guys were on the field and the people that you are now off the field? Uh, well, I would say all, all the coaches had an impact. I mean, you know, Carroll was the head coach. Um, but I believe they all had an impact in, in just how they went about the day-to-day. I mean, I would say, you know, probably – I don't want to single them out to say that the other coaches didn't have a huge impact, but uh, Coach Dernan, who was, you know, the wide receiver coach for me, um, as well as my middle school coach and my middle school gym teacher, right? So this is a guy I've known for six years, right, and really has watched me uh, blossom into a young man and a young athlete. And it was really, you know, his approach to every day was a a no-nonsense type of guy, right? No jokes, come in, handle your business. You know, there's a time for play and there's a time to work. And, you know, that was very clear. And I think by the time when we became seniors, uh, we knew how to turn that on as well and really communicate that with the rest of the team. Because, you know, when, you know, when I was first brought up to varsity as a, as a sophomore, it's just like you're a fly on the wall, you know, your eyes are big and you're kind of watching everything and how, how, things, how things work. Um, but by a senior, we are kind of coming to our own role of, you know, responsibility. And um, we all were like, look, you know, we got to take after Dernan. As much as we made jokes about how he coached and the things he was saying <laughs> sometimes, we knew that it was for the better. And, uh, and we took that approach and, and it, it showed on the field. You know, we didn't make mistakes because we focused. And we knew when it was time to handle business, let's handle our business and then we'll have fun after. And um you know, I've taken that approach to everything I've done in life since um, since high school, and it's it's worked out. Yeah, I think uh, can't remember I can't remember if it was before the East Meadow game or the Massapequa game that you know. And this is just to piggyback off what he just said about Dernan. Uh, he read us a poem, I think, about the man in the mirror, and just very much about uh, you know taking responsibility for the things that you have to take responsibility for. And being able to look at yourself at the end of the day, knowing that you gave everything you had. And that really spoke to me when he did that. Uh, you know, I didn't, you know, he wasn't my receiver coach or anything like that. But at the same time, like I grew up with him too, just like Weaver did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, between him and, you know, my coach was, you know, Coach Espo, you know, who, like I said, who, you know, would come to my JV games 
to see me play in games that not to say that it don't matter, but it's just like, you know, nobody's really watching those, but he was coming to see my development and to see what he could help me turn into. And then Carol gets your, gets his hands on you. And Carol was very like, Carol didn't treat me like I was a, you know, no, no matter what kind of what I did, no matter how good of a game I was having, if I made a mistake, he would let me know. And, you know, and it's just to let you know that you're not above reproach. You're not a, like, no matter how, like who you think you are, you know, a mistake is a mistake, whether you were the last guy on the bench or the, or the, you know, the guy out there all day, you know, and you have to be on top of your game as much as possible. And it always just let me know, like, man, like, you know, these guys care about, not only how we perform here, but a lot of the stuff just translates into life, whether they're trying to translate it or not. It's like we, it's our job as players to take these things, look at our lives as we go forward and be like, okay, like no matter who I am, whether it's with my family, my friends at work, no matter how good I think I am at something, you know, making a mistake is still making a mistake and you got to try to be the best you can be no matter what. But then at the same time, no mistake I made, did they ever make me feel like I was worse now or, you know, I didn't deserve to be out there. It was just go out there, face that mistake you made and show everyone, you know, who you are and what you're capable of. And that was very important. And I think a big thing with championship teams are the lessons that the coaches teach you because you don't only translate to the field of play. And when you're holding up the Nassau County championship plaque, but also 20 years later when you guys are sitting down and doing an interview and reflecting on, you know, your time on the team. So going off that, not only the coaches now, but your teammates, how did the relationship that you and your teammates have off the field contribute to the overall success you guys had on it? Well, I, I mean, I think it was, you know, what we've said today, it's, it's, it was everything. It started a long time ago. Um, and I was, you know, as we're having this interview, I'm kind of reflecting and, and going through the roster and, and what guys were on the first string and what guys were on the second string. And it just hit me that most on both sides, it was really all seniors, um, you know, which, which we grew up with literally everybody on that team. So the first, the, the offense and the defense were all seniors from your line to um, the linebackers to the DBs from your O-line, the receivers, quarterback, the running backs. I mean, we, we've known each other for, you know, at that point, 13 years. You know what makes a guy tick. You know, what, you know how to get him to play his best. You know how to get under his skin. You know how to hold him accountable. These are things we've learned from whether it was CYO playing basketball or playing ball with Eagle soccer. I mean, we really grew up ball with PAL baseball. We really grew up together. So, it really was just the perfect harmony and everything came together um, where we all bought in, which I think is another big thing. We all bought into the fact that, yeah, we're a little bit smaller. You know, we don't have the typical O-line. Our guys guys aren't 6'4", and, you know, 300 pounds across the line. But we know each other. We're going to play for each other. And as long as we focus and hold each other accountable, uh, we can make this thing happen. And, um, you know, that, that is what really propelled us to have the success that we did that season. We all bought in, we all played for each other. And that, you know, that's a really unbreakable bond. Yeah. I think, mean, you know, you're, you're playing with your best friends, man. It's like, that's the, that was the best part of it all. You know, it's like, and you know, we're not all, I got, 
and he might he might get mad at me about this if he ever hears it, but Shamar. Shamar when Shamar's one of my best friends in, in all the like all the world. And you know, he didn't really play at all or anything like that, but it meant so much to me to have my best one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, on the same team with me the whole time. And would also like Shamar always reminded me that yo, man, like like anytime my head got the slightest bit big, he could always just put me bring me right back down to earth when we were hanging out outside. Cause it was like, yeah, like you might be, you know, out on the field, you might be, you know, this and this. He's like, but just remember when we out in the streets or when we're at school, you're just a regular guy like the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? Like girls, girls diss you like they diss the rest, like anybody else. Like, don't, like, like relax. And that meant like, that means so much when you just, with your best friends and they can joke on you and rag on you outside. And then when it's time to play, they're all like, nah, like, you know, they're pushing you to, to you know do the best you can and, and to be you know what the team needs you to be so there's i mean i don't know how we get through that season if we don't like if we don't care about each other that much and anytime again and i think if there's any future in coaching or anything like that for me one day it's like that's what i'd want to instill in any player or any team that i ever have before i try to instill <clears throat> being a great offense or being a, whatever it is, is just to care about the people you're with because that does something to you when you play for some reason. It's like, I, I didn't want to lose because I didn't want to let Aaron down. I didn't want to let, you know, my best friends down and out, like all these guys are putting all this work and I'm out here, you know, and I, I'm, I'm carrying that, but at the same time, it's like, I want to lift them up and I want them to feel good about what we're doing. So it's, you know, have, having that off the field friendships and things that like, we all, we spent a lot of time together. Like, guys that – and we're talking about all races, all creeds, all – like, whatever kind of separation you want to put in this world right now, it, it, don't, it don't exist there. And we came together in such a way where it's just like – like, if I just think about camp and just the songs we sang and, and the dance contests we had and all this stuff we were doing, and it's just – it just brings everyone together so tight where now, you know, no matter what it was like in actual school – like what's that? What's that show? Uh, that movie. Remember the Titans? Like how you know that you bring them so close together, and then they gotta go into the world, and it's just like you know we we didn't have to deal with that exactly. But it's like you go back into school, and and yeah, everyone has their own friends outside of football and stuff like that. But we stayed so close throughout that season, and it's just remarkable. And it's hard. It's hard to do because everybody, you know, you have your own life, you have everything else. But like, and like I remember, we would win, and people wouldn't see me. Like if if like if they threw a little party, if we threw a little party, like I I wasn't showing up, but nobody got on me about it ever. Like I was, I might have been like Shamar would get on me sometimes. Like yo man, we gotta go enjoy some of this. I was tired. I wanted to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to lay down, you know. But it was it was just so much fun that everybody kind of let them let each other be themselves fully, and accepted each other. And I, that was, I mean that that's the stuff I remember the most, man. Just how much fun we had with each other. And it is with these relationships that you guys were not just another team, but rather one of the greatest teams in your former school's history. So even before today, how much do you guys reflect upon what it sounds like is one of the greatest moments that you guys will ever experience in your life? Well, I mean, for, for me at least, it's, you know, I think you reflect on it in these moments. And it's, uh, I just want to thank you guys, um, you yourself, Mr. Kelly, 
um, for really doing this. Because I think, you know, the older you get, and you're, you're still a youngster going to Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fellow Orangeman now, so you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, you got to have some fun up there. But, um, you know, I think life moves so fast, right? You know, now we're much older. Uh, you know, you start getting married, start having kids, a beautiful baby girl. It's hard to, you know, sit down and kind of smell the roses and remember, um, you know, some things in your past because life kind of just hits you day to day and you try to keep up. But, um, you know, right now sitting back and reflecting, it's, you know, it's bringing, it's, it's a good feeling. I mean, you, you felt like uh, you've done something that uh, will stand the test of time long, long after you're gone. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm hoping that it's more championships and more great moments that, you know, that come to the Bruins, you know, uh, within the next few years. And hopefully 30 years from now, you have a different panel here or you're on ESPN, maybe, you know, interviewing somebody that's in the league that's a, that was a Bruin. So, um, again, I just appreciate what you guys are doing. And, and these are the moments that you reflect and uh, you just appreciate it. Thank you. And I believe the last time you guys played together in a formal setting was July of 2006. You guys were Baldwin's only representatives in the Long Island versus New York City Empire Challenge. How was that experience being on a team full of Long Island's best players and playing together for what I think is the last time? It, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every second. Like, it's not obvious. It's not like playing with their own team. So you're not. I wasn't out there the whole game or anything like that. You really just get to marvel at, you know, the the talent on the island and how good you know, all these players are and the fact that you get to stand amongst them and stand next to them and, you know, you earn their respect. They respect you. I, I actually made like, I made a couple friends off that where it's just like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, you come back to the Island after a year of college, you see them, you know, while you're out and you're enjoying yourself and you remember each other. And then you have all these memories of, of that, that time. And it's, it, it meant like I, I obviously you know you you keep things like that you like I kept the jerseys and so I was, like you keep those things to remember like man like I I did this thing and and I did it with all these incredible players uh, and to know like, like people ask me like oh man like I remember I went like when people ask me now like oh like you played sports like how was sports and I, I downplay it all the time but then I always mention I was like oh but I did play with like. Because uh, everybody always knew who Aaron was. I don't know. Everybody always knew who Aaron was. So I'll be like, no, I played with Weaver. Like, yo, you played with Weaver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And so it's just one of those things, like, you know, I get to say that. So, like, I get to say that, and I get to say, you know, that I, I, I got to stand next to some of, the, you know, the greatest athletes that I know. Same here. I mean, I would just piggyback. Ricky the same you know it was just it was good to be in that game to be to be recognized as one of the best on the island and to have your teammate there with you was just um really the icing on the cake um and we're fresh off of winning the championship so you know we were feeling probably a little bit better than some of the other all-stars there <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know it was a it was a good feeling it was a good feeling and again it was a you know it was a light weekend it was really just to you kind of got to know some of the other players you got to measure yourself up a little again, uh, a little bit against some of the talent that may have been in different conferences and see where you stood. But I think at that point, you know, people were just excited because mostly everybody had, um, you know, they had plans of going to college, whether they were playing sports or not. 
And I think everybody's eyes was a little wide on, on the next chapter in their life and really just getting started. So sharing stories about what they plan to do and where you're going, uh, it was really cool to get everybody's perspective on uh, what will be their next step in life. So um, that's what I enjoyed most. And with every championship comes championship rings. But for you guys specifically, your championship rings were paid for by Baldwin alumni and former 49ers linebacker Brandon Moore. Explain to me how it felt to accept your championship rings from a then starting NFL linebacker and Baldwin linebacker who was in your shoes. There you go, Weaver. All right. I mean, I enjoyed it. You know, funny, funny story. You know, his uh, and uh, God rest his soul, Brandon Moore's father, um, his house is literally around the corner from me. So as a kid, I mean, I would see Rob Moore, who funny enough happened to be my coach at Syracuse, right? Come talk about things coming full circle. Um, but, you know, they lived right around the corner from me. So as a youngster, um, I went to Brandon's game in the Oklahoma versus, I forgot, uh, there was a Sooners Bowl, it was the Independence Bowl in like 2000 when he played, when he was in college. And my father happened to win some contests that we got tickets and I'm down there. I don't even know who Brandon Moore is, but, you know, I come back and his father's telling the story. I'm like, oh, well, I just saw him play. You know, I'm a little kid. I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, to have that come full circle and for him to recognize it, um, it was really it was really exciting. I mean, I think the noise had been building up because, you know, Coach Carroll kept kept a small book of, you know, past players that he was interacting with. And words started to spread when we started to get on a winning streak. Like, hey, this, you know, this Bruin in San Francisco, he's hearing that you guys are winning. You know, keep it up. So, you know, we had just started to hear that, you know, more people, more Bruin uh, and Baldwin alumni all across the nation were kind of in tune to what was going on. Uh, so for him to come back and do that, I think it was huge for all of us. Um, and really just, again, it was just icing on top of the cake. Uh, for something that we'll all remember for the rest of our life. Yeah. And lastly, how has life after football been? After that legendary season, I know for you, Aaron, you went to Hofstra and after the program shut down, you went to Syracuse where you're in orange now. And then for you, Rick, you're getting into acting. You have a little girl. So how has life pretty much come full circle for you guys after football? I mean, I'm I'm – <laughs> I'm very, uh, you know, I cherish those moments in like, for football, and, and you know, I they all mean a lot to me, and it's it's just really the lessons I learned that I can use now to, like I said, when I when I'm when I'm acting, and and you know, you got to go in all these audition rooms, and you, know, you got to prepare all these things. It's just being as prepared as possible, and you know, and and trying to you know teach my daughter. You know, she's only she just turned three in, in March, so she's not. You know, she's she's a little girl, but it's just trying to to show her the you know the the right way, the right path. And you know, life after football, I think it like it's it's great, man. It's like as long as you, I feel like as long as you can accept those times and cherish them, like and you know, really have no regrets, like regardless of. So like people might say sometimes like oh but you guys lost that last game I was like I have not a single regret put everything out there worked as hard as I possibly could and very much like I said like that man in the mirror mentality was like when I look back at myself I look at myself in the mirror and I said there's nothing more I could have done and you know that helps me move forward like you know some people just live in it over and over and over again and 
it's all they, they think about. But for me, very much, I really don't think about it until someone brings it up. Mm-hmm. You know, or like my parents, like all my stuff is like at my parents' house still. And so it's like my parents might bring it up and they're like, oh, we saw your stuff. Like they want to talk about it again. And, you know, but it, I've definitely felt like I've grown into, you know, a, a good man, you know, and I really feel like, you know, you know, between myself and, you know, like my girlfriend who, you know, is a, is a girl that I was dating in high school. So it's just like all, like all this stuff is just like, man, it's like, it's all come full circle and it's all come to a point where it's like now, you know, if there's any future in, uh, like I said, like I, sometimes I think about coaching it's like, but it's like, I, I have a great background for that or, um, you know, I've definitely, what's funny enough is I've definitely like been in like pseudo commercials where I have to play football and they're surprised. They're like, Oh, you actually know what you're doing. And I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I played this thing a little bit back in the day, <laughs> you know? So it's life after is so much fun because I get to use all the things that I did then. It's like, sure. I, I can't run a, you know, a four, four forty right now, or, you know, I, I'm not out, like I'm not doing none of those crazy things anymore. But it's like, it's just to know that those things existed and be happy that you were that person, and to know that that person then was great, and the person I am now is even better. And I just feel that's how I feel about it most of the time. Uh, I would say same for 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 me. It's um, you know, I was blessed enough to kind of, you know, be able to taste, taste the, the sport on, on every level. And um, I could say that, you know, the best time of my life was playing for as a Bruin. You know what I mean? You're really playing for the love of the game. I think the higher you get up, you know, other things starts to, to take hold. I think college was fun as well. But even then, you know, the guy behind you doesn't want you to do well, right? It's a, it's a race to the next level. And then once you get to the, to the, you know, to the NFL, if you're, you're able to stay there long, you know, it's a, you know, it's a cutthroat league. It's a business at that point. The only time you really, I really felt camaraderie is, um, you know, in, uh, in high school where everyone you're really playing because you love everyone that's next to you. And, um, you know, life after football is great. You know what I mean? I tell people every day, like, you don't miss it. I'm like, ah, uh, I think a training camp. As soon as they say that, I don't think of a game like on Saturday. I go, to, I go to training camp, and I'm like, ah, no, nah, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. But you do, you do. I mean, it's funny when I stopped playing football. Finally, it took me, it took me a couple of years to actually watch it. I mean, I had dedicated so much of my life to that. Um, you know, to 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 lose it is like losing a family member, right? It's losing an extension of you, of who you who you were. Um, but then I, I really found the beauty of reinventing myself and, and making sure that I was, you know, when people see me, they don't go, you know, Aaron, the football player, but, you know, Aaron, the businessman or Aaron this. So, you know, to be able to reinvent myself um, is even more of a joy right now. Um, and again, like Ricky says, I, you really don't reminisce on this until someone brings it up. Um, it was a part of your life. Um, but I think the mentality that we learned even then was, you know, uh, what's next, right? We're not going to sit here and dwell on the last game that we won. We just beat Plainview 48-0 to zero or whatever. But guess what? We got Union done next week. You know, that's over. What's next? So I think that mentality has stuck with me. Uh, and it's just you just try to, uh, you know, continue to get better uh, you, and do right by people, which I think has always paid off. 
um, and just being a good person at the end of the day. And, uh, and you know, you, sometimes you get recognized. You do some things that are special and, and people recognize you for it and it's great. But, you know, you keep on, you keep on moving forward. So at this point in my life, you know, I'm happy where I'm at, but continuing to grind. Um, you know, I want to still put on for Baldwin. You know, I may be far removed. I'm not in high school anymore, but I know I still wear, wear that Bruin on my back. So, you know, I'm not going to go out here and do something stupid, right? I want to go out and do something that's going to make, you know, my former teachers like Mr. Kelly and, and them proud, you know, because, you know, they invested in you too. I think, you know, uh, we sometimes forget how teachers are invested in not only, you know, getting you um, through school, but really molding the person that you are. Those conversations that you have, whether it's with the Mr. Kelly, you're going to remember that for years. You know what I mean? No matter where you are in 30 years, if you're working for ESPN, you're going to remember this. And I, I think they don't get the shine that they deserve. Um, but you're, you should always take that to the next part of your life. Always know that it's not just you out there when you're doing something. It's everybody that's ever cared about anything, cared about you in any way, and has tried to help you along the way. You got to put it on for them. You know what I mean? So that's what I try to do right now. I'm just trying to do my best to put on for, uh, for the Bruins. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on this interview. I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. There's no doubt that you two are not only one of the greatest football players in Bruins history, but straight-up athletes, and I think anybody could attest to that. So thank you for your time. Lately, every single interview I've done, I've said it was my favorite one, but this one has been no different. It's crazy to see how Ricky and Aaron, going back to that season, they don't remember what they learned in pre-calculus on December 11th, but they do remember that football season. And it's pretty crazy how they remember pretty much every detail. And if you're looking at what makes a team a team and what makes a team successful, you look no further than that football team. And it's you can argue that it's a crime that they only come in at number six, but I'm telling you, it's something special. But... To recap our honorable mentions and moments 10 through 6, with our three honorable mentions, we had boys basketball taking down Tobias Harris and Half Hollow Hills in the 2008 Long Island Championship. We had the Lady Bruins beginning their basketball dynasty with their first county championship in 1999. And we had varsity baseball winning the 1992 Long Island Class A Championship. At number 10, we had Paul Myers winning the 1977 New York State Wrestling Championship at his weight class. At number 9, we had boys basketball defeating Uniondale in the 1982 Nassau County Championship. At number 8, we had boys track and field winning the 2008 Nassau County Championship. At number 7, we had field hockey winning the 1989 Nassau County Championship to spark their decade-long dynasty. And then to cap it all off for this episode, we had the number 6 moment, which was varsity football starting 10-0 with a Nassau County championship victory in 2005 ladies and gentlemen we are more than halfway through the top 10 moments in Baldwin Bruins athletics history but what a pleasure it has been I hope you guys are getting a history lesson out of this I surely am and I'm hoping you guys are using this podcast to get some type of entertainment considering there are no live sports at the moment besides the UFC of course but we're all missing sports and we at the Baldwin Bruins sports podcast are hoping we could do all we can to make sure you guys are getting some form of entertainment. Next week, we wrap up the countdown. We have moments number five through number one, as well as a very, very special interview from five girls that you guys will all remember. 
So on that note, that brings us to the end of the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. My name is Yal Bonsu. Tyler will be joining us in two weeks, not next week, but I will be holding down the fort. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bruins Podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening in on this edition of the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on all streaming platforms. Check us out on Instagram at Bruins Podcast. Join us next time for more news, analysis, interviews, and everything Baldwin Sports.